Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Modern Horse Training and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I also have a brand new children's book out. It's called Teddy's to the Rescue. You can learn more about all my books at my website, theclickercenter.com. I'm joined, as always, by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. This is part four of a four-part series on the Feldenkrais work. Our guide in this has been Anita Snay. Anita is a Feldenkrais practitioner who is very familiar with my work. And last week, Anita took us through an ATM lesson. And at the end of that lesson, she invited Dominique and myself to join her back at the computer to talk about how we each experienced the session. It's not necessary to talk about an ATM session afterwards, but it can be interesting to hear how different people experience the same lesson. So Dominique started us out with some observations and some questions, but I interrupted the conversation because I wanted you to be able to enjoy and stay present in your own experience of the ATM lesson. So now as you come to this next episode, for some of you it may have been a week since you listened to part three. So here's my suggestion. Go through the ATM lesson again. You may discover that returning to it a second time brings new discoveries. And with the lesson fresh again in your memory, Now listen to the discussion that we had afterwards. You can, of course, listen to the podcast without going back and reviewing the ATM lesson, but you may get more from this week's discussion if the experience is fresher for you. So now we're going to jump back into the start of our discussion. What do you suggest if someone feels they didn't get the instruction right? What should they do? Let me hark back to what we said in the beginning. No right or wrong. No right or wrong. Uh, These are complicated language-based suggestions, and it's sometimes a real challenge to translate that into, oh, this is what she's trying to set up here. So Mm -hmm. if you go sideways, go slightly differently again, I mean, there's always a reason that that I'm asking your left hand to work on your right elbow the way it is always a reason but it's secondary in importance my reasons are are in the background to your experience so if you are not getting that it's for example if you're i said tuck your fingertips your left fingertips around your right elbow there's some bones there it's a little handle if you didn't get that Instead, you understood what I was saying is your left hand goes under your right elbow and then cups cups your elbow with your palm. You'll still have an experience. It won't be what I designed. And the reason I designed it is, is it, it, I have my own reasons. It's not that important. What is important is, and also, gosh, I wish I could just like inject this into everybody. It's not important to do what I say. What is important is to do in, again, the, the bottom line is gently, slowly, small movement. That that I'm not going to yield on. Everything else, 
is open season. And if instead you start to worry, I don't really know what she said there. I don't understand. And and you can kind of get into frustration cycles. It's just so sad because you're missing the main point, which is to find these attentive things. So if you do it in a totally weird way, if you hold your right ear, you know, you heard what I said, hold, hold your you know, elbow and you heard that right ear, you're going to have an experience, you know, as long as you do it gently and slowly, who knows what you'll find out. So that's next week's ATM. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we'll cover it. And I, but Dominique, does that help? Is that is it that does, right? it does, it does help. Oh good. And, um, I, I know just you know expanding on that, I know there have been some lessons where I'll be midway through and I'll get lost. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, usually it's because I'm you know tired or something, not because the instructions were unclear, but but I'll just get lost and I'll say, oh, well, I'll just uh, I'll do the best I can in terms of I think this is sort of uh, along the lines of and I'll just continue on. And it always is of benefit. But then I have the recording. And so the yeah. next time I go through it, I may hear the instructions in a different way with more clarity. I'll be better prepared to follow the instructions, whatever it is. So it's, again, it's not about, you know, it's not like take that being in school or you're taking a test and you're trying to see, you know, what 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 did the person sitting next to me, what answer did she put down? It's none of that. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. And what if you find pain? Yeah. So that's, that's very common because you're asking yourself to move in very unfamiliar ways and the familiar ways will stand there and go, what? No. Or no, I had that injury to my left shoulder a long time ago and I have learned that left shoulder is not going to do that. So you get what that. If you, what if you try, you're thinking, okay, maybe I'm, I'm doing it too big. I have to go small. There's still pain. Right, right. You can't find the way where there is no pain. Right. Do you now, not do it? Let, let me let me take it in stages because if you can't find a way, that means that's the end stage. So the beginning stage is you hear what mm-hmm. I'm saying and you go, oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm getting getting that. I know that pain. I felt it a million times. It's so aggravating. Right in my left shoulder, right there. All right, no. Okay, so we're coming away from that. Now, what could I do differently? Maybe if I bring my elbow a little closer down toward my hip. Nope, same story. Okay, hmm, what else could I do? Well, I could maybe pull up my shoulder and do it. Nope, nope. Okay, so there now we're at the end stage. I'm not finding a way, not finding a way. So then you stop and you check what happens. Because if your habit and I'm, I don't mean, I don't like that word. If your history tells you that a frustration response is, is the one that's going to move you, notice that and go, hmm, frustration leads to forcefulness, leads to anger, leads to negativity, leads to defeat. And that whole cycle of, you know, bad self-esteem comes up. That's really important to know that that's your default. When you reach an obstacle, that's what you have learned to do. And you have that experience enough times you go, that is not going to work. 
I'm going to make the choice to find something different. And if I can't find it, that, you, you know, you'll always find it. And here's why. Because, because if the only avenue is try this, nope, try that, nope, try that, nope. Oh, I'm at the end stage. Now I'm going to get really frustrated. Wait a minute. I'm not going to do that frustration thing. Whatever it is I'm going to do, I'm not going to do that. You've just moved. You've just changed. It's always a searching in an avenue to stop repeating cycles that are harmful or that don't go anywhere. Okay. That That's the challenge. And it's a huge challenge because, you know, for example, I, I, I used to be like a, a really type A jock, whether that would be in dance or in martial arts, I was a monster. And I had all kinds of history to drive me to that kind of approach. And it worked fantastically well. I was very accomplished. I got all kinds of reinforcement for that approach until one fine day I made a move and I spent the rest year and a half in bed in, in agony. So I want for other people not to have to go through that. <laughs> and it's very difficult because all our biology and all our draining and all our drive and everything pushes us in the same direction. I don't want people to have to crash like I did um, to wake up to the fact that, that those cycles are not helpful. I would much really prefer that people study the Feldenkrais method and understand that those cycles need gentle recalibration. They need gentle reworking and it takes time, but it pays off. Does, does, does that make, does that resonate, Dominique? Yeah, it does. You know, the, the one thing maybe that I suppose too, we have to be aware of is expectations, you know, because we want it to pay off. Yes. And so I suppose it's important to be aware, you know, because if it doesn't pay off right away. Great point. If it doesn't pay off right away, then why keep doing it? Because it's like a nullity. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. And it's it's really tough to be able to figure out how, <laughs> how to negotiate that. It, it is truly, truly. I'm just hopeful that with the principles that I've outlined, that people understand why it's so important to stay with the process, even when it feels empty, kind of. Mm. So while, while we were doing that, one of the things I was thinking about were some of the, the dressage lessons that either took or that I watched, where the instructions were, first of all, they were, it was like, Sort of machine gun level of, of instructions coming at you, this barrage of words, and you're on a horse. So you're on a horse, and there is this barrage of words coming at you, telling you to do six different things, all in opposition one to the other. You know, it's like you're 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 putting this shoulder up and that shoulder down and this hip forward and that hip back and this hip and you're and you're having to keep track of all of this and you're having to do these things that feel like, wait a minute, what kind of a contortionist do you think I am that I can move my shoulder this way and my 
hip that way and my ribs this other way and and keep track of it all. I was just, just what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> and so as I was, as we were going through this, I was thinking that one of the benefits as a rider is that I'm experiencing different patterns, often patterns that feel very, I want to say oppositional, in that I'm I'm moving my head to the left and my hips to the right, that kind of thing, which I might not normally be doing. And that it's freeing me up. It's giving me the possibility of moving out of rigid patterns so that I can explore and experience patterns that I might not come to on my own mm -hmm. and that it allows my body to be moved in different ways. You know, so the one thing that you left out of, of that one is at the very end, moving the heels back and forth. And I will have to tuck that into the recording at the end. I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, I did that for myself. And my goodness, the range of movement was so much greater at the end than it was at the beginning, which is, you know, often the case. And, and so for, as a rider, that is a that's a huge benefit. Because that means I can absorb and, and allow all that movement of the horse to move through me. So there, there are all these things that as we were doing it, that where I can feel, I may not feel sort of the direct, oh, well, this is for that. Mm -hmm. But I know that as a rider, I will benefit from what I just experienced on the floor. I may not be able to say, well, this is going to help me to ride a shoulder in better. But I know absolutely that as a rider, that I I will be going to my horses better prepared. But, you know, when you're exploring, when you're an explorer, you don't know what you're going to find at the end. That's right. That's right. So, Alex, talk a little bit at the way you have about the difference that doing this work makes when you bring it to the horses. Because some people may not be riding, but I'm guessing a lot of them are, are really interested in the groundwork. So for me, the, the body, call it, give it sort of the, the, the larger term of body awareness, the awareness explorations. And the Feldenkrais work is a major way in which I can do these explorations. There are many benefits that I have experienced. Now, whether other people experience this in the same way, this has just been what has really helped me. One is that as we do the, the various ATM lessons, so for example, in this lesson, we were taking our, our heads to the side and then uh, bringing the head down towards the collarbone. And I relate that to when I'm uh, working a horse in hand and I'm asking the horse to soften and give in, in the jaw, soften and give at the pole, soften and, and let that ripple through the neck. And what I'm relating is what happens in me. And then 
I can use that to help inform so that I understand better, more clearly, what is happening in the horse. And it helps me to see, especially when I'm looking for really small changes, subtle changes. It helps me to see those small changes because I've experienced them in my own body. So there is that connection. Um, so so just, to, just to underline it, what you're talking about is your alertness and your observational ability is honed because you've practiced it on yourself. Yes? Yes. That, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I become more aware of possibilities. And I become more aware of things to look for. So I start to notice that expression of what comes before the thing that comes before the thing that is going to move. You know, when you inhale and then the the elbow lifts uh, and you start to observe some of these relationships, then it directs your attention when you're working with a horse or with a rider, it directs your attention. And so you're not just observing visually, but you can observe kinesthetically. When your hands are on a horse, they're not just resting there, you know, there, but you're really getting an enormous amount of tactile information because, for me, because of the experiences that I've had with the ATM lessons and, and with other explorations. So that's definitely important that it might helps my observation skills. When you encounter an asymmetry, whether that's in a rider or a horse, it also gives me tools to explore that. So I might be working with a horse that is very stiff to the right side, for example. So when I'm going through the ATM lesson, I might deliberately stiffen my shoulder or tighten my jaw. You know, I might deliberately create an asymmetry or a stiffness and just observe. Well, what does that do? What does that do? How does that affect? So I have I have a baseline normal for myself. You know, I I know sort of what to expect when I go through these lessons of what I normally typically would experience. So let me change that experience by tightening my jaw. Let me change that experience by tightening my shoulder on one side. What does that do to the whole movement? And that's really useful and informative. That's very powerfully informative. Anytime I have an injury. You create your own, you create your own session away. And I assume they're, they're like, oh variety of ex of I don't know if I should call it exercises but of movements that you work with Anita thousands 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 yes yeah. thousands of them and and uh, I draw on Feldenkrais's own teaching and let me tell you this lesson that we did this might have been the first three minutes of one of his and then he's off into another dimension and then he rebounds and jumps off of that. I mean, it's really, <laughs> so I say thousands, but really they're, it's infinite. It's really infinite. Yeah. Yeah. Cause 
how many years now have I known you? And I don't think, you know, there's some lessons that are similar, but you you never repeat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But we have the recording. So we have a group that meets up uh, via Zoom twice a month on Monday nights. And Anita prepares an ATM session for us. We go through it. And then Anita sends out the recording. So we have, you know, I have a library of these recordings and Mm -hmm. periodically I will have sort of a Feldenkrais marathon where I just treat myself to day after day of really going through these recordings and sometimes several recordings in the course of a day. Why do I feel good when I do that? (laughs) But it also means that, that if your schedule doesn't allow for you to meet up with us on Monday, it doesn't matter because Anita has prepared the ATM lesson and you'll still, you'll get it whether you're able to join us. It's always nicer if you do join us, but if you happen to live on the other side of the planet and the uh, the time zone just doesn't work out, you don't have to feel, oh, well, I can't, you know, I can't participate. So it's a great way to, to get this sort of continual input. And because Anita's familiar with my work, the ATMs are often tailored towards the language that we use with the horses, some of the ideas that we're working on with the horses. Anita, Dominique, as you know, Anita's been joining us for the the online coaching coaching lessons. Yeah, Yeah. so, which is always a great treat. And Mm -hmm. so there's this sort of cross-fertilization that that occurs. And it's very present in the course, in the online clinic too. Yeah. Yeah. Periodically, I don't know, I'm up to the number three now, but I'm assuming that as we go, I will be more and more exposed to it. Yeah. What I'm doing in the clinics is I'm building a language and body awareness that is going to it's a very constructional approach that will lead to comfort level with the Tai Chi walk so that we can use the Tai Chi walk. What I refer to is the Tai Chi walk. So I can use that very slow, very deliberate exploration of balance to introduce lateral work, what lateral work is and, and why it is so useful and so very powerful in chain, in shifting the balance of a horse. But if I, if I just drop you in cold to that lesson, you'll wobble all over the place and feel like you're, I don't know, you're, that you're, you've been put on a, what is it, the, 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 the tightrope, and you keep falling off the tightrope because the balance isn't there. So, you know, layer by layer building the, the stability of structure. I mean, that was something the other day from the last coaching session, or, or Anita, when you were, you, you emailed me some feedback on some video that I was showing that where we were working people, not, not horses. So we were, we had human horses and I was the handler through a lot of that. And you talked about what you were seeing was this, all the integration of move that you were seeing in the way I was moving and the way you described it was just beautiful that the integration of the core that allowed for 
very fluid movement. And that's something that the horses really appreciate and benefit from. So when you pick amongst those thousands of movements on a specific day, what guides you in in designing your sessions? I will lie down and take somebody else's ATM and do it. And because um, I'm entering into my own experience, my attention will go, oh, that, that, that trainer thinks that's a walking lesson. Not to me, it isn't. To me, it's a lesson about Jaws. <laughs> and so I'll go, what? How? Why? And then I'll, then I'll like start to play. So that's why I love our format for our little Monday group. It gives me two weeks in between because that's how long it takes me to explore and to create, to like jump off that one little, it's like a little pearl or a little droplet that happens to land with me. And then I have the opportunity to go to really seize that little piece and see where it leads me. And then from that exploration, after about a week and a half, oh no, Monday's coming up. I better, <laughs> I better solidify it. <laughs> so that's that's how that that works. So you've never repeated. No. No. You've never repeated exactly a lesson. No, in the beginning I did. In the beginning. You don't, you don't have a recipe. Right. And you just follow right. the recipe. Right. No cookie cut. In the, like I say, in the beginning, it's really important for practitioner Feldenkrais practitioners to do that because you just don't have the um, language. I, language being a metaphor. Um, you know, you haven't done enough of all the body, the canon of all the various ideas that Feldenkrais developed. But I've been doing this a really uh, half a lifetime. And so, you know, with all of that, it's like my library all that experience is my library, then I can do what I'm doing here. But it's only because, like Alex said, there, there are certain themes or little uh, similarities in all the ATMs. And in fact, when um, practitioners organize the thousands of um, Feldenkrais lessons, they are organized by theme. This one here will be to do with the movement of the hip joints. This one over here will be head, neck, and shoulders. This will be eye movements. This will be breathing. They do that because it's important to know the overall themes and then to practice the heck out of them, you know, until you really get, you just kind of dive in and inhabit the thing. But that takes, that does take a while. It, it's like the pelvic clock. Oh. It's always, yes, which is so interesting. <laughs> because Anita goes, oh, you know that, and and then I always like the pelvic clock. It's like, oh, that's one of my favorites, and and he's like, oh, not my favorite. But we've we've done a very, we've done we've revisited the pelvic clock multiple times, in part because I like it. But every time we revisit it, it's what with, you mean. It's with different language and a different approach, and. You know, so it, it it sometimes doesn't even seem like that's what we're working on. So, so the, the pel pelvic clock, if you picture a clock as a as an image, then it's all divided, first of all, into quadrants. So it's 12 to uh -huh. 6 and 9 to 3. And then so you move all these little angles oh, and you go around in a circle. And so uh -huh. 
And so I have always disliked that one pretty intensely. Uh, but I know that it is foundational. It's one of the most important Feldenkrais lessons. So I cannot go with my <laughs> my dislike. So what I why don't I like it? Yeah. Very hard to say. It's it's too complicated and too advanced. It's it's a it's a very simple concept, but to actually do it, I my my nervous system just goes the hell with it. <laughs> So, but but I know that Alex likes it, so there there's got to be something in it. And if Alex likes it and Feldenkrais <laughs> loved it, then I've got to I've got to find it. So that's why I'm going. All right, we won't do the pelvic clock. We'll do the pelvic clover. Okay, we'll try that. Yeah, that worked a little better for me. Okay, and you know, then I start pulling on that thread, and by the time I get done pulling on threads, it's all completely different. <laughs> Not the pelvic clock anymore. So I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and, and today's lesson, if you know, when you said, all right, so describe what we're doing. I, my first way of describing today's lesson would not have been to say, oh, it's about the collarbones. So, I mean, it wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't occur to me at all that we were working on the collarbones. <laughs> so the, the movement of uh, the rib cage and the abdominal muscles to allow for the turning and and uh, different accommodations absolutely changes in the feet phenomenal and we because we did this in last in the last monday night session we did this basically did this lesson and that was what really surprised me when we when i stood up was whoa my feet feel so solid this is very cool and same experience today. It's just really how solid my feet feel. And then I relate that again to riding. And when you're riding, how much your feet communicate and impact what your horse responds to. And it can be in a very negative way in that you're gripping with your toes, or it can be in a really positive way where your feet have a very dynamic part of the communication and the shifts of balance, et cetera, et cetera. And I would think, yeah, this is this is going to be really good for me as a rider, you know, once again. But then that really solid when we stood up, it was like, oh, I could I could stand here for hours, which is always a lovely feel. But collarbones, yeah. collarbones, what have my collarbones got to do with it? <laughs> Isn't that funny, though? I mean, yeah. it's just it's just amazing. Nervous systems are endlessly fascinating. That's why I love when 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 you can put it into words, because it's just so fun for me to go. Well, boy, you know, I that's where my focus was. But it didn't it didn't matter because your nervous system received it in a way that worked for you. Yeah. I would never predict that feet would be affected by this one. Never predicted. I know. I know. And wasn't it, I think it was two or three, probably three Mondays back, sessions back, where I said, no, I'd really like is a session around feet. My feet are kind of feeling, they've been crying out for some attention. <laughs> That's amazing, because I forgot yeah. you you made that request. It yeah. kind of got, got buried, but it didn't matter because your nervous system knew. Isn't that yeah. wild? I love yeah. it. So you meant, you meant requests? Well, you we, think I, my feet need attention? 
I've forgotten how it was. It was we get all done with the ATMs and we stay for a few minutes after and talk about what the experience was like. And I had said something along the lines of exactly that 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 I feel as though we that we need to do something that's centered around the feet. And because I I was feeling I don't want to call it tension, but you know my I I was just aware that my toes were crying out for some attention, for lack of a better better way of saying it. And I just verbalized that, mm. and because we, we were doing some really fun sessions where our hands were getting a lot of focus, but the feet were were kind of being ignored. I guess that would be the way to put it. Like we're feeling ignored <laughs> and they didn't want to be ignored so but see, dominique here's the point i mean my the way i could have fielded that i certainly there are tons of felt very important film yes. focusing specifically on the feet so you're you're paying attention to your feet you're moving your feet yes. but look what happened Feldenkrais is not linear like it's not linear like that. This is the wild thing. This is what I'm talking about, a rounder world, a bigger world, a more faceted world. It didn't matter that I didn't specifically respond to what mm -hmm. Alex's nervous system was calling for because Alex's nervous system went for it anyway in a collarbone lesson. You know this, because the nervous system is such a mysterious thing. You know, how does it work? view of this work, what happens, you know, how does it happen that, you know, the nervous system finds, should I say, new connections or, I don't know, it's it's so mysterious. It it's is. Fascinating. It, it is. It's, re it's really important to realize that and to not try to, you know, our brains really, we, we have this, we really want to be certain, we really want to know what's going on. And um, it's really important to, to like, if we can't have, have a concrete experience to be able to inform what we're saying, it's important to just kind of put it to one side and go, boy, I really wonder how that works. And then, you know, start adding little droplets of information that you can pull up from neuroscientists who talk about it in an intelligible way, which is not, not all of them. <laughs> little concepts like one wisdom seems to be that the systems that fire together wire together so that's one explanation that i've heard out there that that the systems are full of potential could go any which way but they start they start inclining toward each other and they they weave into a system and a pattern and they do that through myelin sheaths it's incredible they're actually insul myelin sheaths are insulators. So if you want a really fast, efficient neurological connection, you're going to have a lot of myelin around it because that insulates. And then, then the nervous, the impulse, the electrical impulse can zap through. But if you don't need that, you can like have a looser, less um, myelin around the nerve and it'll go slower. And then, and the nervous system knows how to coordinate all of that. So some systems need to go slower because they have less distance to go. And if you need a portion of the system that I'm gesturing like far away from one hand, that system needs to be able to go fast to be able to catch this one. It does it all by itself. And God knows how that works. It's just 
unbelievably amazing. Well, what, we... is, what is exciting is that I know when, when I took neuroscience, the prevailing wisdom was that like, the brain was, once you know, if you had brain damage, that was it. That the nervous system had in the brain had limited possibilities for repair. And that as you got older, oh, well, you were just going to lose capability. And now what we are understanding is that the brain is not fixed. See, Alex, I attended about, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, a conference, super interesting conference. The lecturer was so interesting and fun and about brain elasticity, I really enjoyed it. But basically, it was, you know, the brain is elastic until the last br the last breath you take. And it's, it's no longer, you know, for sure, when you're very young, we know that we're learning very fast, but we're still, the brain is, can still change depending on what we're doing until we die. Yeah. And that, that's such exciting news. And that's really what we're talking about here is that, all right, we may start out feeling, well, Anita asked, I, I'm supposed to do what with and move my elbow up, and, but, you know, my body doesn't work that way. Uh, and, it, and that may be true. It may be the nerves are well insulated, incredibly well insulated for a particular pattern. And this other pattern it's just this sort of like a, a tiny little path versus um, a paved superhighway. And, and so we're just going to explore this tiny little path over here. But every time we explore it, it, it makes the path a little more definite, wraps a little bit more myelin around that particular pathway and makes it more accessible. So that after a while, when you've done the these ATMs after a while, and Anita's words guide us into a pattern where you feel you've been taking your head to the right and your elbow to the right and hips to the right. And now you're doing the elbow to the right and the hips to the right, but your head is going to the left. And instead of feeling totally discombobulated and confused, you your nervous system is saying, oh, okay, We've got that wired too. We can do that. We have the, the plasticity to do that. And isn't that fun? And it's it's not a literal thing either. It's not like only that movement is improved. It right. doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Now, how that works, I can't tell you, but I know it does not work that way. Right. Somehow or other, when you ask your shoulders to go left and your head to go right. There is some learning in the brain that happens so that you don't get in the habit of going, what or no, but rather, oh, let's see. So maybe the let's see myelin starts building so that the next time you're not you're not needing to move your your head to your shoulder. You're needing to fall safely so you don't hit your head. You know, your nervous system, instead of going no or oh, I'm so afraid or uh, oh, God, let's see, <laughs> you know, how can we fall without hitting my temple on the concrete? You see, now how that works, I wish I could, I wish I knew, but I know that that's the kind of, it's more like a an atmosphere or like 
a fish swimming in water, you're swimming in different water. So it's, I like, I like, now I'm thinking about that. The fish don't have to swim on a highway. The fish go where they need to go. So maybe in our, in our nervous system, it's like, okay, we're building the highway to, for hips to go left and, and head to go right. But we don't have to do that. If we're in the water, you know, the next time we need something in life, our nervous system understands we don't have to resist it, go into frustration mode, go into resistance mode, go into despair, collapse, all those things. It's the attitude, it's the it's the experienced-based attitude that 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 we're working on. So that's why Feldenkrais is such a hard sell, because it's very hard to understand how that works. How does that work? But it does. And why do you want to stay away from the word recovery? Because it's not enough. See, okay, I'm holding my hand straight up like this. Here's where I am today. And I have an accident. My left hand is falling off to the left. All right, recovery implies that I need to come back to where I started. Okay. And that's not enough because we want, now I'm moving my right hand to the right and my left hand follows. Now I've got a bigger range. So recovery just means come back to where you were and what the word might be resilience or growth or learning or something means yeah you have an injury you learn how to negotiate when you, when you can't do what you normally do and by that learning you have advanced the process quite far from what you knew before you injured yourself so there is the use uses to put the injury to that make a difference next <laughs> so so dominique i mean I, obviously i'm a committed user of the feldenkrais work I've seen enormous value. Uh, I enjoy the Feldenkrais sessions. I enjoy the, the the process of doing them. And then I enjoy feeling what unfolds afterwards. And sometimes when I, oh, you know, when I stand up after an ATM session, I'll feel a real difference. I'll feel like today, a session, I could really feel how solid my feet felt. And that was neat. And sometimes I won't feel that at all. And but when I'm driving back to the barn and I'll suddenly be aware and as I'm driving my car, I'll think, wow, I feel so much taller. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I feel so much taller. Or when I'm doing the barn chores, I'll suddenly feel, wow, look at how it's not interesting how my my ankles feel so much freer. It's not interesting. Or when I'm walking, as I remember after one ATM, I thought, wow, I feel like I could just march right up to the top of the mountain. And just walking feels so free and easy. And then some days I just, you know, I'm busy and whatever, and I don't really notice much change at all. But, but those, those awarenesses are there. My horses definitely have given me feedback. You know, when I get busy and I'm doing other things, you know, it's summer and I need to spend time weed whacking the fence lines or, you know, whatever it is. And I, and I just don't have time. 
for an ATM lesson, or I don't have the energy <laughs> after you've done all the heavy work of maintaining the, the barn and so on, that especially when it's hot, you know, I just ugh, run out of steam. And then I start to notice after a while, oh, I'm getting stiff. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm sitting in a chair is beginning to, I can really feel how creaky I am when I get up out of the chair. I better start paying attention to that because the, yes, I'm getting plenty of exercise. <laughs> Boy, am I getting plenty of exercise, but it's not the same. I need to lie down on the floor and just get quiet and follow the words. And then I feel better and I feel more limber. So all of those things have kept me interested over the years. And it's certainly my horses tell me when I've been paying attention, when I've been using the, the ATM lessons, I get immediate feedback from the horses. It certainly has helped me to understand more clearly when you slide up a lead and you're looking for give, what actually am I looking for? You know, what is that nuance, that, that subtle change that I'm looking for from the horse? When we're teaching the horses the what I refer to as the awareness hug, where you have your hands on the horse's head and you're, you're not moving the horse's head. But there is a suggestion that comes from your, from your way of being, but you're feeling for these very subtle releases in the horse that have a profound effect that just ripple through their entire spine. And all of that is informed and made better because I take the time to do these ATM lessons. So I've definitely experienced the benefit of it. You've been the reluctant adapt, you know, oh, we're going to do another body awareness lesson in the clinics. Oh, rolling you know, of the eyes, the rolling of the eyes. Yes. So. Oh, oh no. like to <laughs> yeah. So yeah. well, you know, I'm I'm willing to participate. I'm I'm at, I can't say, you know, what the benefits are for me because I'm just at the beginning of this. Right. It's too soon for me to say, but certainly I'm like looking at it as an exploration. Yeah. And I'm willing to trust the process. So I think that's you know, it's a good start. I'm participating. I'm looking, you know, even today I was looking forward to it and I yes. enjoyed it, even though my feet were too cold. <laughs> but yeah, we'll have to we'll have to report in maybe a few months, you know, after I've done a few more sessions and yes. you'll have I'll to see. come join us on Monday nights, you know, twice a month. You'll have to connect with Anita and and get on her notification list. So and anybody, if anybody is interested in joining us, if, if they email me, I will connect you to Anita and then Anita can, you can take over from there. But it's so, you know, it's so easy, easy, easy to do, you know, and they are delightful sessions. And if you can't make it for any particular reason, if you've signed up for that um, Monday's ATM lesson, you'll get the recording so you don't miss out so it's a very easy way to do it so it'll be interesting if you become a one of the regular attendees of those lessons 
what you begin to experience. And as Anita said, you know, it's so individual. It's so individual. You know, I could list out, well, it's done this and this and this and this in very concrete ways for me. But in a way that colors expectations, because mm -hmm. if the next person doesn't have that experience, mm -hmm. then, then they might feel disappointed. It is a study of one, always. Mm -hmm. What is What will you draw from this process and this approach? It is very much a study of one. Mm -hmm. I, for some reason, needed something for my feet. And so what I drew from today's ATM lesson was something for my feet. And the next person who listens to it, they may be going, feet, how, you know, it's had nothing to do with your feet. I felt, and that's the that's the beauty of it, and it's that it's what makes it so very fascinating. It's I think you draw from it what you need, and it expands your world. It has certainly expanded my world. That seems like that seems like a good place to stop, doesn't it, Anita? Yes. Yes. That, that that seems like a good stopping point. It makes a circle from yes. what we began with. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So you'll have to go back now and listen to the introduction. Because now that we've experienced the ATM lesson, had this conversation after the ATM lesson, then what you were talking about at the beginning may resonate more deeply with people listening to this because that that introduction came out of what well, we must have talked for an hour and a half the other night in terms of you know, you've been teaching this for how many decades how do we get this to resonate what do, what do we need to say that will help people to resonate and so we were talking about all kinds of things I was talking about being left-handed in a right-handed world that's why I was opening doors you know <laughs> and and uh, we were just we were talking about so many different experiences in terms of sharing the Feldenkrais work sharing the awareness explorations and it took you to this expansion of it's about exploration it's about mm -hmm. expansion how you introduced it in the course as well, that, yeah. you know, I, you, you speak for about 18 minutes as an introduction, which is where I had this image of the, the baby, you know, discovering process. I thought you did a good job there too. In the course, it's good how you introduce it. And it's followed by another ATM session, which was completely different from this one. It was more around the, the head, but in a different way with the hands on the forehead. So it's the beginning of the exploration for me. We'll send you off to explore. And who knows, in a few months, we can come back and say, in your voyage of discovery, what have you been observing, seeing, enjoying? So Anita, thank you immensely. And hopefully everybody who has listened to this will have a lovely time exploring this ATM lesson. And we'll want more. So. Well, thank you both. It's just been enormous fun for me and such a great 
avenue to talk about this work that has brought me so much expansion in my own world and joy, ultimately joy. And that is so much a part of this community, Alex, that you and Dominique have gathered together. It's just completely wonderful. Thank you for that. <laughs> well, thank you, Anita. So I'll wish everybody, you know, that final of have fun, which is what it, you know, we, we need to find the, the joy and the pleasure and the delight. So that is what we will look for. Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you all. I hope you've enjoyed this series. If you would like more ATM lessons, do email me and I will put you in touch with Anita. Again, she offers a new ATM group lesson twice a month. I'll let Anita quote her price for the registration in these sessions, but I'll tell you, it is madly, madly affordable, even for those of us on tight budgets. If you have signed up for a session, whether you're able to attend the live session or not, Anita sends out the recordings so you can use these lessons many times over. And Anita doesn't repeat herself. I've been attending these sessions for years now, and it's always a fresh lesson each and every time. We may revisit certain themes, but always there will be a new dimension added. These sessions stay wonderfully fresh, and for me, they always relate back to the horses. Also remember, please, that during this holiday season, books make wonderful presents. My new book, Modern Horse Training, will be a great addition to every horse lover's library. And if you have young readers, do check out my new children's book, Teddy's to the Rescue. You can order all of my books through my website, theclickercenter.com, and you can also get them from Amazon. In Clicker Training, we talk about what keeps you going. And for me, one of the things that keeps me going is knowing that this work is being shared. It's being shared through these podcasts. It's being shared through my books and the online courses. And it's being shared by all of you who use this work. And not to be too blunt about it, but when I see that someone has purchased one of the books, that is a great way to say thank you for all of these podcasts and all the work that goes into them. And when you give these books as gifts, that's even a more powerful thank you because you're sharing the work with others and you're sending ripples out that will help to spread positive reinforcement around the horse world. So I'll thank you in advance for including the books on your Christmas list. And until next time, train well and have fun with your horses. <laughs>